Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Welcome to the NBA Daily Ding on the Athletic NBA Show. Ding, ding. How about we can just watch basketball? I like that idea. Welcome to a free agency preview edition of the NBA Daily Ding. I am Jared Weiss, writer for The Athletic, and I'm joined by Bleacher Report's long-haired maven, Jake Fisher. Fresh from a nap, he's a professional napper. He got his 45 minutes in. I'm sure you are feeling exhausted still because you have been putting in so much work so far heading into free agency, and you had a big piece on VR in the morning about everything. And let's start with Jalen Brunson, because it looks like he's a Nick. So how bizarre has this process been reporting on? The Jalen thing's been bizarre, only that it really did seem like um, he was going back to Dallas. Like, that was the early indications. Mavericks people were confident about it. The number floating out there was 490. And all of a sudden, New York makes their draft day trade for Kemba Walker. And then the real big bombshell was Nerlens Noel and Alec Burks going to Detroit last night. I was going to include their trade efforts to move those two guys in my story this morning, but had to quickly amend the article as we were in draft mode last night. Um, and ultimately, they're going to be able to give Jalen a deal of four years, over 100, probably closer to 110. That's been kind of my indication all along was with the, the max number it was going to get to. Um, and that should give them still room to give Mitchell Robinson uh, four years and roughly $60 million as well. So you mentioned the 90 mil number with Dallas earlier. This is a lot more than that. Why do you get the sense that the uh, that the end number for him is going so far up? Do you sense that there's a bidding or just that they wanted to sew this up really quickly? I think ultimately the Knicks have just wanted Jalen Brunson all along, and they knew they were going to have to give – a pretty sizable number to, I mean, he was the immaculate vibes guy in Dallas, right? He, you know, <laughs> was big part of that playoff run. Um, and ultimately, you know, the, the state income tax, I think in Dallas was something that people were talking about too. I know ever since the, the James Harden story back in January, people like to really harp on that when that gets, I'm not saying that was a massive factor in the situation, but um, I think to get him to that salary number to the point where, I mean, it seemed pretty clear Dallas had a cap of what they were going to be willing to offer him, right? Like they were not pushing the deal up to 400. They didn't, they didn't take the opportunity uh, to give him that 456 offer um, that he wanted in, you know, mid season. So I think the Knicks had to also really come to the table and give him something that was going to push it, push the envelope in their favor monetarily too. I mean, that, that is a spectacular glow-up. Like, he basically doubled his money from midseason to after the season. So congratulations, Jalen Brunson, the finesse king of the NBA for sure now. Uh, so the Knicks are still gauging the market for Evan Fournier and Cam, Cam Reddish, as you mentioned. Do you sense that there's an, like an appetite for those guys that has even, like, neutral value? 
So Fournier's deal, I don't know where he really stands. I, I don't think he's someone that teams are trying to go get, but I also think if he was on their team, you know, teams would start to talk about him as a valuable role player, right? Um, I mean, the Knicks just talked themselves last year into bringing him in to help solve their you know, dribble creation need that was clearly exposed against the Hawks in two playoffs ago. Um, I think ultimately, you know, with Cam Reddish, his value is, is, is probably lower. I mean, much lower of a contract, but I think those salaries could end up being moved in outgoing deals for the Knicks to go buy something. You know, they just got multiple, multiple extra first-round picks in the draft. I think they're probably looking at all options to see what Fournier, Reddish, and picks can go get them to add to this Jalen Brunson, R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle core. And, okay, you mentioned keeping Robinson, and you say at the very end here, it's believed that he'll return on a four-year deal that near $60 million in total earnings. So I'm, I actually had heard earlier in the day that that was the number he was looking for. Are you getting the sense that New York is willing to go that high? So that's the number I've heard all along he wants, and the other connecting piece of intel is that New York has no plans to let him walk. So I'm putting two and two together and expecting that it can't happen, and I remember seeing some cat person last night tell me um, once this deal happens here, that gives them enough room to give Jalen this number plus Mitch's 15. So the puzzle pieces seem to be fitting. Wow, that'd be amazing if he actually gets a 15. Okay, so let's move on to the guys that were supposed to be the other kind of max-ish stars of the offseason. DeAndre Ayton and Miles Bridges. Detroit's draft activity makes it very confusing to figure out what's a clear place for those guys to land. So what are you hearing? You know, the Pistons on this other side of the Brunson side of things, right, where they just took on $20 million salary, Nerlens and Burks last night. They took on Kemba Walker's $8 million. All of a sudden – when you factor in the concept that I've been told that they're going to give Marvin Bagley, it sounds like, over $10 million a year annually, their salary cap space is just dried up. I mean, it sounds like they're going to have less than $10 million. I'm not a, a cap expert, but I believe it's going to be around seven. So they can make a competitive offer to players in, in between, you know, the non-taxpayer and the taxpayer mid-level. Um, that's where I think they probably will continue to go. Um, ultimately... You know, where will Aiton and Bridges get their big paydays? I'm skeptical that Aiton is going to find the max offer that he purportedly wants. Toronto, I know, is definitely looking at elite, elite centers. There are people like Mo Bamba who are on their radar, who his camps or his representative, his representatives and other people's camps (laughs) have been told that, like, look, we have interest in you, but... We are looking at the top tier of the market, too. Nerlens was a name linked to Toronto as well before he got dealt to the Pistons. Nick Claxton has long been a name that has been linked to the Raptors' interest as well. Um, there's also Rudy Gobert talks for the Raptors. So if they do decide to go get a big, elite, big man, maybe it's him and Aiton's left holding the bag there, too. He'd also only be able to get to Toronto in a sign-and-trade scenario. So there would have to be a deal that works for Phoenix to make that work. To Bridges' side of things... I mean, Indiana has repeatedly been mentioned as a team that is looking at making an offer to him. I know it's been discussed in their building. Will it actually happen or how how high will it be remains to be seen. Memphis has always been rumored as a sleeper candidate to sign him. He's, you know, college teammates, roommates with Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, 
they had this small window in Memphis before Jaron's deal kicks in next year, and then they have to pay all these other guys to like fi- to like go get a piece and finally br- like go be a buyer and make a real move. They've been slowly, organically building to everything with the Grizzlies there. But you know, every time I've asked about Miles Bridges, I've been repeatedly shot down that you know that's not happening. He's not. I mean, the Grizzlies are not going to you know do something that's going to dramatically change the the, heck, the 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 hierarchy, the pecking order of that group. So. I, I am expecting Bridges to go back to Charlotte. They, they've had, you know, a strong higher appetite. Um, uh, they've had a strong higher appetite to match him and bring him back than Phoenix with eight. And it sounds like I think they'll end up getting a pretty nice number for him. You know, probably under thirty million. I, if he ended up signing like four one hundred with Charlotte, I wouldn't be surprised. So with Aiton, do you see there being a number low enough that Phoenix would actually want to bring him back? It's possible. They have projected to other people in the marketplace, you know, other people with big men, other teams, that um, they might just bring him back if the number is doable because they've just said all along that they don't think he's worth the max. I am skeptical of that because just the stuff that's come out throughout this this situation, I mean, there's been a lot of rumblings around the league about uh, – low you know synergy let's say between monty williams and chris paul and deandre and you know i just i would be i ha- i haven't gotten specifics there i would love to but obviously sensitive topic um i i i would be surprised if he wants to go back but it might just be his best offer this might just be a business decision i've been comparing his contract situation to john collins all along if he ends up just going back on a five you know 120 or something like that or a four one a four one hundred ish, just like we talked about Miles Bridges. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility because it might be his best option. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or twenty four seven in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Speaking of John Collins, DeJounte Murray is in trade talks. I'm not sure why, but he is. And uh, John Collins has been one of the main packages that's been coming up with him. So how far along did you get the sense that a potential deal there was getting on draft night? And what do you think the possibilities are of some DeJounte Murray or some John Collins deal happening in the next few days? So to answer why... um, I just use John Collins as an example for the DeAndre Ayton situation. Let's look at Jalen Brunson as an example for the DeJounte Murray situation, where Jalen Brunson was only able to get you know a certain number from Dallas in season because um, he's going to be headed for unrestricted free agency. Because they, I don't, I don't, I don't I, off the top of my head, I don't know exactly, I can't remember the exact mechanism why 
he they they could have done something to make him a restricted whatever it was Dallas effed up in that regard too. Um, so from there, you know, with Dejounte Murray, he's on a seventeen million dollar contract. They're only going to be able to offer him, from my understanding, a hundred twenty percent of that deal before he becomes an unrestricted free agent next summer because he's not you know coming off his first deal. He he's already into his second deal. Um, so. Um, at that point, like he's gonna command a max. He's a clutch client. He is an all-star at 25 years old. He's going to want to get his highest earning potential possible. So I think ultimately this is the situation being, you know, kind of looked at preemptively. And there's a lot of interest in him around the league. This is probably going to be the peak of Dejounte Murray's trade value. He is on that pretty, you know, value deal. Um, and he just was an all-star, just pushed, you know, basically a, a triple-double average on the season with, with two years of that discount deal that we just talked about. So Atlanta's shown the most interest from what I've heard. I know Washington was calling there before the Monte Morris deal. Minnesota has definitely checked in. Um, the Knicks popped up a lot on Tuesday night that they're going to try to make a run at him. I know a lot of people, I know several people with New York who have very keen interest on trying to make that happen. Um so we'll see if it gets done or if they actually, you know, have significant talks because I've been told the asking price is high, not just three first-round picks, maybe even four. A, a general manager I spoke to last night told me that when he called San Antonio, they said it's going to take four first-round picks now. So will a team meet that price? We'll see. It could be, you know, bartering and negotiating and all leverage game, but um, he definitely is being discussed pretty consistently right now. I mean, it is fascinating to see. Like, it's, it's it's extremely rare that a team will preemptively trade an all star who hasn't really requested a trade or even really made noise just because they're concerned about the marketplace. But San Antonio has been very consistent about leaking out how they think Josh Primo is basically the next Michael Jordan. So they uh, <laughs> they they're very confident in the guys that they have behind Dejounte Murray if they if they do have to make a move. Um, so let's go to the Clippers. They're an interesting team. They have like forty guys that are pretty good. Uh, kind of dotting their perimeter rotation they just are allegedly they're getting john wall uh we we can't say for sure yet because we don't believe in tampering that's not real um and so one of you guys have a show called the tampering pod well we're not allowed to acknowledge it because that would be illegal obviously uh but yeah sam mamick uh does a great job with that show so uh isaiah hartenstein uh i can't remember if i said that right but he i think uh, you did yeah i think i did yeah uh, he is looking at some offers elsewhere and might be the one squeeze out uh, from the Clippers. So what do you think is happening there? So when originally um, that deal went down, people were like, oh, is John Wall getting the full taxpayer mid-level? That would, that would screw Hartenstein, right? Um, then people were like, look, maybe he just does, just goes back and takes you know a minimum deal, kind of like a wink-wink, which seems to have happened with Nick Batum where he gets a three – it looks like he's going to be getting a three-year, pr- roughly $30 million deal from the Clippers this year after playing on veteran minimums, I believe, previously, um, or biannuals or whatever it was, a, a low number that, that Batum was there. Um, but I know, you know, Chicago, they're, they're a team that's been really aggressively looking at the big man market for they – have, they have access to the full tax pyramid level. I don't think they'll spend all of it. I think they want to leave some wiggle room – as to not get up against tax. But Hartenstein is a target there. He was definitely a target with Toronto. But the, the word I've heard a lot today is that he seems headed to Orlando. There seems to be a lot of mutual interest between 
him and the Magic, uh, which is interesting being, you know, the, the free agency marketplace is a lot like Domino's, right? We were talking about trying to find a home for Aiton. Like, a lot of the na- same names came up, same teams came up. You know, that that's going to impact Mo Bamba, obviously, if Hartenstein does indeed uh, find a home with Orlando, and he could be the Chicago's piece, or he could be Toronto's piece if the Raptors end up settling on, I don't want to say that dismissively, but settling on more of like a, a mid-tier center rather than going up for an all-star caliber guy. All right, well, Jake Fisher, you can't settle for him. He's, he's the prize of the offseason. Thank you for joining us. Jake, you wrote the book Built to Lose. It is a mandatory read for anybody who wants to understand what the hell is going on during <laughs> NBA offseason machinations. He's writing over at Bleacher Report, but where else can we find you? Um, that's about it. I got my show twice a week on the call-in app uh, called Please Don't Aggregate This. Um, it's a fun time. Come join on the app, call in, ask some questions, and we'll try to keep it fun and informative as always. Thank you, man, for having me, and shout out to the bald beauty in the behind the scenes of all this. That's Dave Dufour. He's a producer of the show. Uh, definitely listen to Jake's show. It's definitely one of my favorite listens for uh, people just kind of sifting through offseason intel in a way that's like very comprehensive but understandable. So definitely go check it out. And be sure to check out the rest of the athletic NBA shows that we've got going on throughout the offseason. For Jake Fisher and Dave Dufour, I'm Jared Weiss, and this has been The Daily Dave.